This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. And a good Saturday night, everyone, and welcome in to Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We continue, J-Doc, to be live and local every Saturday night. It's our commitment to the union community. Of course, we're heavily supported uh, by the union community, but we have a great, great show uh, to use this platform for to talk to everyone around the Delaware Valley. Absolutely, Joe. We've got a huge, huge Huge, show tonight, massive. I want to start off the broadcast with a special intention. Um, Shout out for uh, Tom Collier, a great friend of ours um, who passed away this week and his family's uh, listening. And, you know, we just want to shout out Tom and tell him, that, you know, tell his family that we love him and we're praying for all he is. Um, certainly um, a great guy, Big Tom. We're going to miss you, buddy. Um, and and uh, speaking of, you know, big big guys and uh, great guests, uh, we got a massive show today um, and uh, tonight. And we, we, we are fortunate to have uh, Johnny Dock, who's the business manager of the Philadelphia Building Trades and Local 98, who, by the way, ran... Uh, and, and, and unopposed uh, for business manager, this is the ninth time, which is unprecedented, um, that, that, that John has been unopposed in the election for business manager at Local 98. So we want to we want to congratulate you, John. You, you know, you're not only a trailblazer, you, you know, you set standards that will never, ever be met by anybody. And we want to thank you for being on the show, our friend. How are you? Hello, guys. How are we doing? And thank you for that, Joe. I appreciate that. Well, I'm just are calling you- it the way it is. Joe, you know, growing up in the family that you did, that, uh, you know, the business manager is at the top of the ticket, but these tickets when you run are deep, and they run with about 15 people, and I've been lucky. You know, I'm, I started out with a great set of guys way back in 1993, where we kind of not just revamped Local 98, but we set out to revamp, you know, the perception of unions in Philadelphia, and... Uh, my goal early on at that time was to make Local 98 a brand. I wanted people, you know, when they heard us, to know who we were, know what we did, know, you know. So when they said, okay, we need an electrician, people said, okay, Local 98. When we needed fiber optics, okay, we needed Local 98, you know. And when the world went wireless, you know, they still use Local 98 for all their, you know, power requirements. And, you know, that was my goal back then. And you can't do it without a great team of people. And way back in 93, I had a great team. And I have some really sharp, young, talented kids, you know, and it's a little bit more diverse, a little younger, and a, and a little bit more flexible, you know, today in 2020 than we were back then. So, you know, and I ran with a, a whole slate, and the whole slate ran unopposed, and, you know, there's a tremendous amount of confidence that's given to you when you do something like that. And, you know, I can't thank the members at Local 98, you know, for their support anymore. And, and I do every other day, and... But the team of people is so specialized right now. You know, in the back, it was just business agents. Then it went business agents and organizers. Now we have, and I know we're going to talk about it, but we have people dedicated to opioids and drugs and, 
and we have people, you know, uh, focused in on the, the, the COV-19 and safety and the job sites. And then we have way more legal and, you know, people who are more responsible for paying attention to the politics that affects the labor movement. And just not, you know, take for granted that politicians will, will always do the right thing by the working people, you know, in Philly. So, you know, again, it's a, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, the team uh, was really good. It's, the membership's fabulous. In fact, the night that it was funny, and, and we kept unbelievable distance. We had we probably used more hand sanitizer that night than any other location since this disease hit. We had uh, masks everywhere. We had stipulations at the union hall that were, you know, very, very safeguarding everybody's health. But we had an unbelievable turnout just for nominations. And, you know, even though people were running unopposed, you know, it was seven, eight, nine hundred people there, you know, throughout the, the evening. It was an early crowd after work. It was a late crowd. And, uh, you know, again, you know, knock wood and God willing and uh, uh, that we were able to, you know, get through that evening and, you know, and have no one, you know, get you know ill or, or make any, you know, uh, identification of a contact or anything, you know, with, with the disease at night. But, that's the type of support that we not only have a local 98, but it's a growing support in the Philadelphia building trades. I believe the Philadelphia building trades are as united as they've ever been. And a lot has to do with the changing of the times and people like yourself and Joe Krause, who now let all the things that never went noticed, never went you know, broadcast, never went identified out there. Because, you know, it's just not a picket line or something go bad about the labor movement. We're involved in every aspect of every decision in this city. John, let me let me jump in there for a second because um, the magnitude of, of the things that you're saying, you know, one of the things that my dad, you know, you were a really young man when you, when you first ran for business manager back in 1993. And um, Local 98, always a, a, a great local, but not... You know, we're struggling at the time. The accomplishments that you've made with the memberships, with uh, in the new areas of work. I mean, if 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 uh, just to give an, an idea of of how you've grown the local. I mean, I, if I'm not incorrect, I mean, you you have individuals working at the different TV stations. I mean, you've expanded the scope of work exponentially, um, which is which what that does is in a, for, for the listeners. It procures work for the members. When you have leadership like that, that that's not you know that, that's at the forefront of not only uh, you know securing the jobs and in, in, in the industry that you have right now. That's one thing, and that's great. But you're 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 expanding the scope of work, and you're also involved politically. Obviously, um, you know the, the premier labor leader maybe of all time in that in that area. Which means you're procuring work for your members. You're growing work, and for the building trades, um, it, same situation. Did you come in with that vision? Um, where where did that where did that come from? Well, it's funny. Uh, I had a copy book. You know, I I went to the Leany Labor Institute at St. Joe's. I never missed a union meeting as as a you know an apprentice. The minute I was allowed to attend a union meeting, little ninety eight, I went and I listened. And I was a young kid on a job. I had a young family. You know, I just was a city kid. I always I like I like the same things that everybody else liked at that time. You know, I woke up every Saturday. You know, 
looking to see high school football scores. I want to know what Notre Dame did. I want to know what Penn State did. You know, I, I had a few beers. I coached Little League. You know, I was involved in my town watch. I was involved in, you know, the Edward O'Malley Athletic Association. I you can mention St. Joe's Prep, by the way, even though I'm, I'm a Roman guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, 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 that was, you know, I think the basis for, you know, the, the education that I have. My mom, I always tell people, my mom, you know, was, you know, she was as poor as anybody you know when I got here. You know, and uh, a lot of our family off the boat of Ireland, uh, like at one point, 13 aunts and uncles ran through a, a two-bedroom row home on 305 Cross Street in South Philly, where I raised my own daughter there. And uh, I have to get a shout-out to Aaron, who, who's my baby, who's going to be 40 on Monday. Happy birthday, Aaron. Yeah, and, uh, you know, so I'm, I was 60 last, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, I, I, I was the kid. I was the kid in the industry. And, uh, but I had a goal. I uh, had a basis for what I believed in, you know, coming from the family that really was poor at the time, my mom. And, you know, we, my mom always showed she never had her own clothes until she was around five years old. So when people say, oh, man, we were poor, so were we. Yeah, you know, I mean, they, no- my, mother, my, mother, my mother always said, hey, you know, there's a couple things I can give you. You can I give you morals, values, a good education, and keep you clean. None of that caused anything. And she used well, to say that all the time. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud. I tell people still today, I am flat out a mommy's boy. <laughs> you know, I love my father. My father is 85, and he's somewhere down the shore tonight talking to somebody, <laughs> okay, with a, with a piece of local 98 clothing on. He loves, you know, the market, <laughs> the labor movement. But, but, you know, my mom was the basis for myself. And if you got my brother Kevin on the phone, uh, my sister Maureen, they'd all tell you the same thing. My mom was just, she was that type of person where, you know, we did our homework and then she did it when we went to bed over again. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, she would go to 6 o'clock mass and make breakfast for us and, and not have a pot of piss in. Okay, she was just a good old-fashioned Irish Catholic mom. You know, pretty woman, a smart woman, well-read woman, you know, and uh, yeah, most people know. All you're going to do is go to Michael Sharkanish's book. He talks about my mother's weight. He states that he stood in line for five hours. I was there. I did also. But it it wasn't about me or Kevin or my dad. It was about my mom. My mom was involved with everyone. Okay, I know we're going to touch on the mayor. My mom had a special relationship with the mayor, different than myself. Okay, and if you got him on the phone, he would tell you. It was a whole different, you know, uh, relationship. And it was a... It was a, uh, a family relationship, but my mom was that person that thought that no kid did wrong and that every kid you could, you could educate and, and you could, you know, make better than they were the day before. And my mom, she knew everybody. She talked to everybody. She was outside with everybody all the time. She went to all of our stuff, you know, and it was amazing when, when, when she did pass, you know, you know there were people that showed up that, you know, not having 50 cents, but she would lend somebody 10 cents. I mean, it's just the way it was. Everybody ate at our house. You know, my brother Kevin was a district attorney. I remember all the district attorneys who are in the city of Philadelphia are so underpaid, much like most law and order people. Okay. But they, and she used to make soup and meatballs and break them all down. They were all young. They were all making $20,000. But we start, took over at Local 98. We were broke up there, and we used to have tons of people working around the clock. 
You know, my mom and dad would show up with crazy stuff. My mom would show up with fish sticks and macaroni and cheese. Lent. My mom would show up with, you know, uh, pork chops with these potatoes that nobody else ever sold before. Of course, you know, uh, she would show up with the old chicken parm, you know, plates over with rolls and everybody make a sandwich. And, I mean, it's just, it's just the way you were brought up. And that basis, the education that they... You know, they struggled to give me, you know, gave me a little bit of a, an understanding of what I wanted to do. Now, here's the kicker. You have to, and I learned from the best. When people say, well, you know, where did you get these instincts? Or, you know, why do you love the, the building trades and Local 98 the way you do? Well, when I started out, I was brand new. Now, in the room, beside people like your dad, I had people like, Marty Madaloni, who wound up being the international president of the UA, of the Washington, D.C., around a gigantic organization. I had people like the other John Doherty, who wound up being the head of the cement mason and bricklayers in Washington, D.C. Okay. Then I had Pat Finley, rest his soul, who wound up being the international president. And then I had Jimmy Williams, who's still a good confidant. Okay, who wound up being the international president, okay, of the Painters Union and the Glazers in Washington, D.C. And I had Tom Kelly, who was not only the head of the zoning board in Philly for a long period of time, but the secretary treasurer in Washington, D.C. And I had people like Ed Keenan, who were legendary. Sure. Sam Spade, okay, who was legendary. You know, Pat Aiding, who was just at the asbestos workers, and he's been the great leader of the AFL-CIO and a big you know, fan of the show and a big uh, player on the show for years. Okay? Then you had Pat Gillespie, who was the head of the building trades for another 15 or 20 years, you know, after I started, who was always there. And I can go on and on. Almost every single person there wound up being significant in their industry across the country, Canada and Puerto Rico. And that's why, John, leadership breeds leadership. And by the way, every one of those individuals that you mentioned, um, obviously are of high status, but they're also loyal uh, right back to you. And and that's uh, a lot because you mentioned the leadership. I mean, um, you know, hold your thought, Jay sure. Doc. I want to get to a, a, a commercial break. John Doherty, our special guest, um, and for me tonight to be able to sit back oh, yeah. uh, and listen—pretty special stuff. Great stuff in the opening segment uh, uh, with the man in Philadelphia, Jay Doc, who I proudly profess and I proudly believe everything that happens in the city of Philadelphia. John Doherty has had an influence on all of the success. We'll get to a commercial break. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by Plumbers Local 690, Ironworkers Local 401, and SEIU Local 32BJ. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. 
And back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. John Doherty, our special guest for uh, the full hour. And, Jay Doc, as I toss over to you, uh, a lot on the agenda to get to. We're going to talk politics. We're going to talk Mayor Kenny. We're going to talk a little bit of sports as uh, sports is getting ready to return. We'll do that a little bit uh, later on. But I do want to remind you, and I want to remind John Doherty as well, when we strolled into the 1210 WPHT, PHT Studios, uh, and John Doherty was there with us as our co-host to kick off uh, our partnership with 1210. Uh, we fast forward to today, and it's great to have uh, John with us. And of course, now, Doc, the show is expanding uh, to two hours every week right here on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Uh, bearing fruit from all of your work, sir. Well done. Uh, thanks for everything. It was a great opening broadcast. Podcast. It was a great run, and we're still out there, brother. Yeah, and, and, and there's no question about that. And, and, John, one of the things that you've said, and it's one of the quotes that I, I'll never forget, and I always bring it up, um, and when, 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 when I describe John Doherty, uh, a great quote is, the best way to never forget where you come from is to never leave. And that's something you've said for years, um, and it shows your commitment not, you know, to the people, to your neighborhood, to the city of Philadelphia. Uh, where does that come from? Well, again, the same uh, comments I made earlier, you know, I mean, I, I not only grew up in an atmosphere that gave me the foundation for, you know, all the decisions I make today, I enjoy that. I like that. Look, I, I love getting up in the morning, you know, going outside, and I live on, you know, beside the 300 block of 4th Street, you know, I grew up at 2nd and Jackson for my better part of my childhood. And, you know, right around the corner from the Reverend Burke playground. And I lived in that Reverend Burke playground. And almost everything that I am today, I learned in that playground. I learned to win and lose. Okay? I learned how to deal with people. Tons of people. I learned how to wait my turn. Okay? I I understand. You know, it was an inner city that just isn't there today. And that was tremendous. And then, you know, when I moved to Moimenting Avenue, I lived in the 1900s. Still presently do. You know, I'm out a lot because of, you know, serious health conditions, but that's, you know, still my home. The 1900 block of East Moya Mensing. And, you know, I, I love going out and talking. I know everybody on the block. We talk to each other. You know, it's still amazing. You know, where I, if we pop in, you know, every now and then, we see like the neighbors come out and, and full. It's just, you just don't get that everywhere. And that is, you know, so... You know, I, I not only, you know, had everything that I have come from that neighborhood in my family, but I enjoy it. I love it. I miss it, you know, and that, that's the part that counts, you know. And, uh, yeah, I've been saying for a long time, the easiest way not to forget where you come from is to never move. And, John, let uh, me ask you, uh, let, let me ask you uh, and transition into the comment that you made in that in the opening segment was the relationship that your mother had uh, with Jim Kenny, now Mayor Kenny here uh, in Philadelphia. I want to ask you, if you will, the comment uh, uh, about uh, Mayor Kenny from what you see the last uh, nine weeks in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, and you can go back to uh, even the beginning of the pandemic, but certainly the last nine weeks have been very tumultuous. Mayor Kenny's right in the middle of it. And depending on who you talk to, when you're walking down the street in Center City, you're going to get a different opinion. You're going to get some love and you're going to get a lot of hate. 
Oh, absolutely. And then same neighborhoods that I grew up in, so did Jim Kenny grow up, grow up in. You know, and um, he, he has a, you have to understand, and, you know, and, and, I'll, and I'll throw three highly visible names. And, again, like you say, the mayor, the president, and the district attorney. No matter how or where you throw their names, it's going to draw some hardcore raw emotion. Take Donald Trump. He is exactly what I expected him to be. I don't understand where all of a sudden the people are saying, oh, my God, you know, he's different than what I expected. He's not. Okay? He, everybody knew the exact type of Supreme Court justice he was going to select. Everybody knew what he, and I'm not one, I don't think one person is surprised what he did with Roger Stone last night. Larry Krasner. All you have to do is look at his resume and you look at who he ran. Now, I didn't support Larry or vote for Larry. I voted for Jack O'Neill. Okay, and Jack O'Neill works for us today and, and Jack O'Neill is one of the future superstars in the city of Philadelphia. Okay, he's that good. Okay, he's a great attorney at Local 98, but he's deeper than that. He, he, I mean, he's, he turned around, and he's not out in front, but he's possibly, if not the number two person, the number three guy behind tons of things. I mean, Maureen Faulkner, people like that will tell you, Jack O'Neill is just a great law and order guy, but more importantly, he's a great dad. Okay, he's a great husband, and he's been a great partner for me in my, my endeavors at Local 98. But Larry Krasner, you knew exactly he was going to be exactly what he is. He was going to be for no bail. He was going to be, if you look at his history, and you look at the firm he came from, and you look at who he represented, there's no surprises there. Donald Trump, no surprises there. Okay? Jim Kenney. The problem is most people had Jim Kenney, okay, layered out as somebody different than he was. He's always been. So far to the left. Okay, he, he did that, and you'll you'll hear people say otherwise. He's always been. I've had conversation with him, and it, it was amazing. Okay, over the years, I was not one bit surprised by any movie made early on. Okay, he's always been a sanctuary city guy. Okay, and I'm not necessarily. And philosophically, I'm probably on the opposite end of most of the positions that Jim takes, except when it comes to the issues that mean the most to me, you know, in my job and in what I, I practice. And that's, you know, keeping people working in a union safely. John, one so, of the things that you said on the first show that you were on with Pat Eiding when we kicked off on Talk Radio 1210, and I thought it was amazing, was that, you know, you said, look, I'm going to stay in my lane. That, you know, fighting for, for, you know, you have opinions on social issues that are important to you, but your, your focus um, is, is labor and, and procuring work for the, uh, you know, for the, the building trades and the members of, of uh, Local 98 across the board. Um, is that something that you've stuck by? Absolutely. Absolutely. People will tell you, I tell, at the Philadelphia Building Trades, I always tell people, I'm not going to let a politician or a politician to be named later. I like to say a state rep to be named later. Okay, get in the way of what we do. We're interfering with our relationships. 
you know, I've watched it happen. I've allowed it to happen before I participated in it before. You know, and I did tell you I'm 60 now. I'm a lot wiser than when I was 33 when I started this trip. Okay, so, you know, I have my opinions. I personally, I'm not surprised they took Columbus down. I'm not comfortable with the way they took the Rizzo statue down. You know, I mean, I'm not saying right or wrong, you know, what they what, what he did. I actually believe in this environment, when you look around, okay, that Jim Kenny has been out in front of a lot of these social issues before most of these other mayors. Okay, and this is not, you know, and most people don't, don't who don't realize, Jim, Jim never was a Rizzo fan, okay, at all. And... And he's always felt that statue should go. That was just, you know, I mean, if you, if you haven't been listening, you wouldn't have known that. But let's, let's move it up to the last couple of weeks ago. And I'm good friends with that whole community down there. Okay? And I told them that I thought, okay, I thought that there had to be way more conversation. And right. the Columbus statue wasn't brought in Oregon. Okay? I've, in the meantime, and you haven't heard it because I do practice what I preach. But I have to tell you. I've had people in the community, and I've had people in the mayor's office both ask me my opinion. And I told them, here's what I would have done. I would much rather have the Columbus statue, okay, not in a box behind a fence that nobody could walk by. I would much rather take that and place it someplace appropriate and take that area and make something you know, in that vicinity right there, I would take it and do something to the Italian culture, the Italian heritage. It, there's so many good people. There's so many great things that the Italian people have done for South Philadelphia and Philadelphia in general. And I would make it special. I would take care. There's arts and music and culture and it's food and so many good things and make a dedication. And John, one of the things stuff. you said, but one of the things you said, John, was this. Um, you talk about Mayor Kenny. One of the things that, that is most difficult is, in some cases, the lack of dialogue. Like, you're a communicator. And in some cases, um, you know, I, 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 I see his point, um, but the lack of dialogue between him and the community before it happened, in, in my opinion, has been what's been the most difficult part of it. You know what I mean? You know, they're, they're, you know what I mean? Here's where you, you have to take a look. This is, this is unbelievable. This is a once-in-a-lifetime era we're all living through. And let's hope that everybody we know is still around when this is over. Okay? This is a very significant time. This is a dangerous. This is beyond an epidemic. Okay? This is scary. You know, this, this, the world that we live in looks so different than the world that we lived in six months ago. Okay, so let's not, like, close our eyes and hope that we wake up and that it, our old world's going to come back. You know, I walk down Walnut Street, I can almost cry. You know, you know how hard I worked to make sure East Market Street, this hospitality industry, was booming so that we could give kids of all colors, of all neighborhoods, opportunities? You know how hard it was to put that convention center back in the right path? you have any idea how difficult... Okay, it is to maintain job opportunities for kids. And every time we have another convention center show, okay, cancel. Another hotel, which is thinking about being built in Philly, doesn't come. 
And we're just not talk, talking construction jobs. We're talking bartender jobs. We're talking chambermaid jobs. We're talking parking jobs. We're talking restaurant jobs. And we're also talking local ownership in these facilities. But if you get back to the, the, the you know, what we're living through, okay, number one, you know, COV-19, as I refer to it. But the social injustice movement, okay, this was happening long before, okay, the murder of Floyd. Okay, the wealth differential was growing quickly. Nobody was seriously facing, you know, what was happening with the climate. Okay, the injustice was out there. And, you know, I, I say this not tongue-in-cheek anymore. Okay, there's very few people that will call in this show. Okay, that got roughed up by the Philadelphia Police Department more than me. Okay, you can go back to the last two police commissioners. They've all had situations with not only me, but my family. Okay, but I do believe, I do believe that this was happening. I just don't believe that it was going to happen as quickly and as violently as it, as it has. There's an article in the New York Times today that the former mayor of Minneapolis talks about why, in her opinion, as a white liberal, change hasn't occurred. It's a real interesting read. And it talks about white liberals supporting the out-in-front feel-good topics, but then really never get into the hardcore. And again, I, in my decision... I, you know, some of my best friends are people of color, okay? I don't really look at people of color, okay? To me, I don't care if you're white, black, green, or blue, okay? And, and, and I always have. And I, 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 again, you know, I believe also, you know, the Irish immigrant, uh, you know, the old neck. And again, I talk to you about my, you know, my mom. I know about, you know, I heard them stories where one, one thing is soup had to last three days. And we're not talking five generations ago, we're talking a couple ago, you know, and so I understand that, but there was no game plan for any inner city mayor, you know, and again, this is the position that he's always, you know, been focused on, and again, he's doing what he believes he has to do, there's no booklet, there's no real veterans in his organization, almost all young kids around him, you know, they were riding high when the economy was good, making their, again, as that newspaper article said, making all the changes on top that look good. You know, taking that progressive, liberal position, okay? But he, then you have the health crisis, and then you have, you know, today's social justice movement, and... I think it's an awful lot for anybody to handle. So, you know, history will be different. Uh, in the community where we both grew up, he's not, he doesn't have a lot of fans. And, and again, in our world, you know, people juggle the social issues with the fact that he has been a gigantic supporter of project labor agreements to the tune of like 185 or something, which created over 200 jobs, which were said that you need to be Okay, not only part of a union, but you need to have an apprentice training program. You need to have retirement funds, you know, and, and these are some of the things that people are fighting for in their protests in the streets. Now, I protest every day, 
and I and I sit here and I laugh when you know, God, I wish I was given and the people who have rallied, you know, on behalf of the Philadelphia building trades, on behalf of Local ninety eight for days outside of establishments that we believe have violated wages and standards. I wish we were given the same protection, okay, the same access that some of the people who are protesting today are. And I believe we're going to have to be given it in the future. You know, so there's going to be a whole new set of standards on how you protest legally. You know, so... John Doherty, our special guest here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor along with Jay Doc. I'm Krause coming to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We'll take a short commercial break on the other side. We'll continue our dialogue and our conversation. What's next for John Doherty? Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are brought to you by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Iron Workers Local 405, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. Back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, one-on-one with John Doherty for uh, the full hour on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Jay Doc, all yours, sir. John, um, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, Pat Eiding is a regular on the broadcast, and, and uh, he, he literally says... He, he'll when he refers to you, he'll say John's like Superman. Uh, you know, John has um, you know so much on his plate, and he does such an amazing job. Uh, you know, obviously leading the building trades and local ninety eight. Um, but you do have a lot on your on your plate. Um, could you, you want to share any any anything that that might be on your mind in that direction? No, my my personal life, my personal life. You know, everybody knows that Celia's had some serious challenges over the years. And they, you know, a couple of years ago, they got worse, but she's, you know, she's very, um, she's a fighter. She's hanging in here. She, she, you know, she wants to live. She loves life. And, uh, you know, they're difficult today, but, uh, and that's my top priority. And people say, Oh, have you, you know, for the last three years, you haven't been around as much. Well, that's because of ceiling. That's it. Flat out. You know, and again, you know, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's well documented that I, you know, I have issues, you know, legal issues, and uh, I'm looking forward to facing them head on. And again, you know, in the very near future, you guys who know me, okay, know, okay, that this is not something that occurred three, four, five years ago. This is something that's been ongoing with myself in the labor movement for every single year that I've been in office since 1993. You know, I had subpoenas out the zoo back in 1993, okay? I had all type of cap audits and extra audits, and there's not anything that's going on or went on in my world that everybody who looks at it doesn't know, okay? And I finally will get a chance to let the world know. I'm one of the big boys. I've never cried. You've never heard me, you know, say anything wrong. I've never put the government down. I've always said, oh, they have a job to do. Let them do their job. Okay? I've never, ever, when I tell this story, people are going to sit back and their drawers going to drop. People are going to say, oh, my God. And when I tell you, it is crazy. In fact, there's loads of corruption here. So what you see on Fox and CNN and all these things that are all gone, you, you have no idea the magnitude, 
in which it affected myself, my family, and even inside the union movement. And I've always let it roll off my back. So the people who know it, okay, are amazed because they know that I've never lost focus on what's important, and that's my family. Okay, they also know, okay, for example, you know how they say, oh, you're corrupt, you're this, you're that. Okay, the health and welfare fund, just one aspect of the health and welfare fund, okay, was worth about $30 million when the government started listening to my calls. They listened to my calls for 18 months, 16 or 18 months, whatever it was. That's more than any bomber, drug dealer, mass murderer, okay, gets listened to. Okay, so when they started listening to my calls all the way up until they wrapped yellow tape around my house, okay, like a crime scene, that they don't do to anybody. We're, don't ever forget that they ran on TV, national key broadcast TV, a ticker tape. And if you know anything about John, please tell us. And when people started calling and said, oh, yeah, he fed my family, he gives my kids clothes, he fixes things for free, people then took it down. Okay? But they don't do that when you have people inside school shooting up kids. Okay, so I finally am going to get a chance at a magnitude of the abuse that I went through. And again, not one bit upset. I can tell you so many stories, but the easiest thing is in 1915 when they started with the nonsense, all the way up until today, one health and welfare fund went from 35 million total assets Remember, this health and welfare fund has personal choice by as its product, which everyone on earth will tell you is the best health care. You can go anywhere for anything for $5 with a card. Okay? I now have $141 million worth of assets. So I'm... A terrible crook, if I'm really... Yeah, they, they failed to mention <laughs> that one, John. Uh, you know, it's no, amazing. Listen, listen, listen. Go ahead. John, Joe, let me tell you. I can give you 30. I can give you another scenario. No, this ain't about conspiracies. This ain't about, you know, me crying wolf. I could care less, which is obvious. I can't wait to tell my story. Just want to let you know. You know, when I talk about when you listen to my phone calls for 16, 18 months or whatever, you have to have a judge, you know, give that order. I'm not sure that the judge who gave that order out of Allentown, judge by the name of Perkins, okay, mentioned that prior to that, one year prior to him signing that, I had to go to Allentown over a non-union contractor, okay, to settle for what we thought was $600,000 in fines and back pay. We all went up to Allentown with the intention of settling a specific case against a significant non-union contract, Farfield Electric. And Farfield does a whole bunch of other things. Okay? I felt the whole conversation I had at that time, my opinion and my liberty, that the judge was not, was much more cozier with the opposition than he was with ourselves, and that the trip up to Allentown to what we thought was a settlement conference 
was basically a lecture that we were receiving. Okay, so no, no, listen, have, you never heard me say anything. I could care less. Fast forward. This gentleman's name, okay, we leave that meeting with basically him telling us, yeah, I don't think there's going to be any money on the table ever. But we were under the impression that there was at least $600,000 that we basically had agreed to, to get to a settlement conference. We leave that meeting, okay, a year later he signs all the, the, the paperwork that people come in my house and everybody else's house. And uh, um, now fast forward to about a year ago, never letting go of that specific suit in which we tried to settle for 600 grand quite a few years ago. We just had the federal government and the judge, okay, take it all the way down the line, and we just won. Multi-million dollars in back pays and penalties and things like that. Okay, so there's so many situations like that. Now, I doubt that he identified that he basically, when he signed them paperwork, when somebody gave it, some government official gave it to him to sign. You know what, I'm not here talking about conspiracy. I'm talking about facts. I'm talking about, and that's miles compared to everything. You know, ticker tape, you know, across national TV, across, you know, all the TV stations. What do you know? Yellow tape around everything. It's funny. The day that they came through the local 98 union hall, a few years before that, we had an audit, a government cap audit, and they got the same amount of paperwork. Okay. And by the way, all them boxes that came out, they were looking at an awful lot other than what the things they finally came to. And now finally get an opportunity to tell that story. So I don't, I might even use your show I have, when I decide to sit down and actually, you know, talk about every little specific. Because the people in Philadelphia are going to think so much differently. Okay, the labor movement, myself, and what we've done. Okay, this is, the, and when you realize some of the big, big companies you know, don't forget, you know, you're going to find out some real, real, and I'm not going to continue because it, your show, the, the, the switchboard will blow up when I, <laughs> yeah, when, I, yeah. when I tell you what was about that. The next thing is, like, of course I fight a couple big companies. And of course, you know, when I fight these big companies, you'd be surprised the relationship between the U.S. Attorney's Office, okay, and some of these big companies and the corporate, and I'm going to be able to show that. And I, and listen, again, if you didn't ask, I wouldn't have brought up. Okay, I have no, okay, I'm not gonna, you know, sit here and say bad things about people because there probably are some very good people in the system, but there's bad people. But what they, the way they treated myself and my family is ridiculous. And probably as bad, probably I'm the most vetted guy in Philadelphia, okay, in the history of Philadelphia. And it doesn't, and I still, it doesn't affect my job because why? because I understand what's important, you know, and making sure that Celia's comfortable is top priority, making sure that, you know, my, that, that the kids are okay with all the things that are going on, okay, then making sure that the labor movement is represented and that we have the same tools that all the rich people have and that we are at all the same tables that we were never at that we've been at that have worked for us. And the fact is that, listen, we're allowed to disagree with this guy. Okay, we're allowed to disagree on, okay, but on our issues, we stay focused. 
this governor. Okay, I deal with the governor all the time. There were two pieces of legislation in the last few weeks that we were involved in up to our eyes. And if you ask the governor, you ask the lobbyists, if you ask everybody, the most commonsensical people involved in the conversation was the building trades and the people, you know, that were out there lobbying this legislation for us. Okay, and I got some really good, good young guys, you know, inside the trades. You know, we, you know, there's a group of people from Gary Messina's and Jimmy Snell's to Ryan Boyer's, and and then you got some good senior people like Joe Ashdale and guys that have been around a while. And I could go on and on, but it's, we just had some great people involved in this trade movement. John, listen, we want to thank you so much. We can't wait to have you back on again. You know, we believe in you. We absolutely support you. And we, and, and we pray for you, and, you know, we are going to be there when the smoke rises and you're standing, and we can't wait for you to get your message out and, and, and have your day. John Doherty oh. joining us for the uh, full hour tonight on Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor. Uh, as we say goodbye uh, to everyone listening on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Johnny Doc, you're exactly who... I thought you were, sir. Well done. Thank you, John. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor have been sponsored by Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, CWA, Communications Workers of America, and AFSME Local 1739, DC 47. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management.